We've got that special interview with Andy Belanger, a.k.a. Bob the Animal Anger, about his new Kickstarter, Mother Trucker, Indie Comics, everything you can want in a podcast. Guys, sex, six, sex. We are all evil in some form or another, are we not? Yeah. 
killer Richard Ramirez seemed to relish the concept of evil. Mother Trucker Guys, Bob the Animal Anger, a.k.a. Andy Belanger, support the Kickstarter. You have less than seven days to subscribe, to pledge to the Kickstarter. Links in the bio there, guys, in the in the description. It's worth it. If you're listening to this, it's going to be worth every penny. Guys, again, less than seven days. I give you Andy. Are you... Uh... Have you been recording the whole time? Are we recording now? I just started recording. Don't worry. All right, cool. Uh, yeah, Mother Trucker. So Mother Trucker is like five years in the making. I became a pro wrestler to make Mother Trucker. And I mean, when I say pro wrestler, I get paid to wrestle, but I'm an indie wrestler in the Montreal scene for IWS, XCW. I've uh, been on C4 in Ottawa. Um, uh, I, I do some shows in um, Toronto as well. Uh uh, so, basically, I was I was living in Toronto and never hearing about wrestling. I think the thing was was Toronto had like an insurance problem mm-hmm. in the two thousands, so they couldn't. There, I, I just wasn't seeing shows. Like I lived downtown, and there was never flyers. No one I knew went to shows. Like right. I just didn't know that indie wrestling was a thing because at all. Getting living that license, in Toronto. getting that license to wrestle or to have a show, it, like a combat thing, is next to impossible in some places yeah so i think that's what they had mm-hmm. and then in 2012 uh i moved to to montreal and i i was doing uh video game stuff for blood dragon i did the the trailer animation for blood dragon and my buddies who worked on that with me took me out to uh two live shows battle war and iws battle war is kind of like the one you you were throwing in a metal club yeah and then IWS was getting like these kind of like crazy old school looking theaters, you know, where you see like Phantom of the Opera and shit. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, it was really cool. And uh, I started going to them and just like obsessed, like my entire love of wrestling. I was obsessed with wrestling up until I was 18, you know, Attitude Era and before that, the 80s and Hogan, Macho, yeah. Undertaker, you know, Bret Hart. Like I was just obsessed my whole life as, as much as I was with comics. Um, but I, I just, once I be, went into fine art, I just wasn't like aware it was going on. So I kind of missed the Cena era. Um, so when I, when I went to those live shows, I just got hooked. We'd go get loaded, yell at wrestlers. Yeah. It was the most, like going to an indie wrestling show is 
one of the most fun things you can do. It, it is the as a as a fan. It is if you're you like to chirp and you like to get loud. It's the funniest. And then I started meeting the wrestlers and I started doing like posters for them and like 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 event posters and, and t-shirts and I've been doing t-shirts. I'm doing all that thing. kind of stuff. And uh, uh, Shane Hawk, who was uh, on Chikara, right. he um, he and I became friends, and uh, he got me to come out to the IWS Dojo, which was like their training facility. And um, at the training facility, I started getting into it, and then I was doing Southern Cross, so I took some time off, came back, and I've been there ever since for five years. And the idea was I wanted to get into wrestling to make this crazy wrestling comic, which eventually became Mother Trucker. And but by by that you mean you wanted to get so ingrained in the culture that what you wrote was true blue, and no one could be like, "Oh, he made this stuff. He don't know what the hell he's talking about." That's yeah, I don't like writing about stuff that I don't know or haven't experienced. Yeah, you can't even though I write the most far out sci-fi crazy stuff, the, the the stuff that happens in the comics, like I've kind of been through. So I wanted to understand, you know, the the language, which is all kind of based on Carney language. It's like a metamorphosis of that, and it keeps changing. Like I was here, I'm, I'm even hearing like kind of like new stuff where, um, you know, there's little little code words for things like, um, you know, what's a good code word that I can think of? Like, uh, like shoot, um, work, kayfabe. Yeah, yeah, shirt, shoot, work, all that stuff. Receipt, stuff. yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, like, uh, you know, giving him the office, like, all kinds of, you know, I'm geeing up, like, just stuff, like, right. real, real, like, code-based stuff that's in wrestling that is, is kind of fun. I wanted to know all of it. It's the best. And now I have so many experiences actually being in a match. Like, I've done hundreds of matches, so, like, I know what it feels like being in the ring. You know, um, the, the guy who did Berserk, that comic, he's got another one, um... Uh, a wrestling one that's amazing. I'm forgetting the title. I just got it too. It's called. What's it called again? Anyway, he has a spot where a guy gives a like a suplex to the other guy, and he does this one great panel of the one like of a foot stomping. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's, that's how it. you know to go, right? That awesome. foot stomp is how you know to go. So I was like, this this comic is awesome. Like this guy knows wrestling. Like it's really cool. I want it to feel like that, like while the wrestling is is going down, like I want you to, I want that experience in the drawings. I can't so, wait. Um, I actually got paid today. I'm gonna throw down on the Kickstarter. Which uh, when does the Kickstarter end? Oh man, in like 30 days. Yeah, we got time. That's yeah. why we're gonna be running you on every podcast for yeah, until until it's awesome. over, man. Yeah, like we came out of the gate like like a rocket. It was amazing. But what Mother Trucker is is she's like a She's like a, a like space trucking uh, ass stop and wrestle goddess, and she's titties. on a quest to find her long lost kid and become the greatest champion of Truck Off, which is the WrestleMania of the Starways. Awesome. So Truck Off is like the way Truck Off, the way uh, the universe works is all the truckers are wrestlers, so they're all like gigantic. This they're all beautiful. on roids, but the roids are in the, the meat, so all the meat is called burger roids. This is wonderful. So they, when they eat burgers, it's like they're doing steroids. So they're all like these jack giant he-men looking guys. And this is this whole project is like my he-man. And um, anyway, she she kind of like goes through this like gigantic uh, uh, accident, and you can see the pages in the in the Kickstarter where um, you put it's a like lot of them. it's like WrestleMania three truck. It's truck off three, and Big Rig is going against Gigantruck. 
and he gives them mm-hmm. like this slam called the the um, stairway to heaven into the highway to hell. Oh, that's and awesome. it like blows up Neo Houston, and um, <laughs> she like she like kind of comes out of it rebuilt by. Um, it turns out like in the first one, it turns out she's rebuilt by the bad guy, my Vince McMahon of the universe, and Beautiful. he's rebuilding her because the two the two champions that are uh, in this universe, which is uh, Ricky Heat, who is like a cross between The Rock and uh, Ric Flair. And he's a bit of an older champion. And the new champion, Phil Injection, who's like my Shawn Michaels, they're at war, but like the the Vince McMahon character can't like, like get them under wraps. So he creates Mother Trucker, who who is uh, the wife of Big Rig, my like Hulk Hogan macho man. To like take them out. That's wonderful. And um, yeah, so it's super cool. So the whole first like six issues is like there's a match in every issue. So each issue feels like a standalone, but it's her like trials and tribulations into the into the uh, the truck off. And what truck off is is the, in the universe, uh, if you have let's say you know Walmart shipping contract, and my comic is called Bridgemart. If you have the Bridgemart contracts to truck, you have a belt. So all the contracts are belts. All right. Right. Right, and there's like That's eyeliner awesome. fish sticks, and like there's all kinds of like different products that people are shipping, You're and people fight over the, the contracts. Um, I'll roll up on you on my truck and challenge you for your 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 belt, your contract, and then the back of our trucks transform into rings, and we get it on. And as soon as our truck starts to transform, just like fans from the space highways, <laughs> just like start flying just in. Start We're showing like, up. Holy shit! And it's like the biggest TV show like going is like being on the space highways. And like a fight breaks out, and just like everyone goes, and announcers show up on like a, a thing. Conveniently like plays refs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's refs. So like yeah. Everything. Just everything shows up almost instantaneously, and like people are freaking out. And uh, if I beat you, I get your contract and your truck. And the truck. <laughs> yeah. So you can't come after me after, right? You can't like okay. immediately come back after me because you have no truck, and you have to have a truck to be a trucker. Right, so you're done. So you're so just certain done. certain truckers have like fleets, you know what I mean? And they get like like Phil Injection has like his his uh, DX. So there's like a like a China character and like a Triple H character. His name's Tricy. Tricy. <laughs> All right, I get it. It's like uh, it's like cunning Chris Cutter. <laughs> yeah, and he's like my Triple H, and um, and. Uh, yeah, so it's super crazy. So it's all about her like getting into truck off, and truck off is like the WrestleMania of the Starways, and it's basically a, a race around the rings of Saturn while you fight. So, yeah, all for like the biggest contracts. So let's, it's it's pretty wild. Let's so that's it. that's Mother Trucker, and we launched on Monday, and we had a everything I do is in it, like because I'm in Canada, I had to do everything can, in Canadian. You can't like change regions mm-hmm. in Kickstarter. So it was like 9,000 9, Canadian, which I think is like 6,700 American. Okay. And we hit, we hit that in like three hours. I noticed like, that. I, I, yeah. uh, when I pulled it up in the morning, it was like you were already up to like uh, like six or nine grand already. I can't remember. It was, it was like, okay, Andy's got some backing. Um, let's talk about why you picked Kickstarter because guys like us are – right now people are fucking pigeonholing us. And you've got a crazy idea that if you put this, if someone took this out of context, they could, they'd want to cancel you or bury your idea. But with Kickstarter, it's fuck you. <laughs> I can do like, I'm that's doing... just it. Like I've, I've actually pitched 
Kickstarter to, uh, or sorry, I've actually pitched Mother Trucker to, uh, uh, I pitched it to Black Label at DC. Mm -hmm. I pitched it to Image three times. Um, I, I had a con like a, I had a, a company in BC that was going to give me something like crazy, like 90 grand to do it for a new digital platform that they were going to do. Wow. And, and my lawyer and I pulled out of the deal so that we could keep the rights. Like, yeah, you need that the was rights. a hard day. That was a hard two hours of my lawyer being like, no, you can't do it. No, you can't do it. And I'm like, $90,000. Right. Like, what? And she's like, no, you won't own any of it. Especially like, if they make a million dollars off of it and you're sitting there with 90000 like a like a chump. Yeah, and this is my baby, my big idea. I don't want people to own it. So when I started to make it, I was like, I know Image will, will, would, would publish it mm -hmm. now, like seeing it. But I don't think I want anyone else to have it because I'm looking at like the way comics are going. It feels like everything's crumbling and they're making comics, you know, they're, they're after the YA market, you know, which I understand. It's totally cool. It's business. Um, you it's know, just big like business. They're, they're after that smile money, yep. but um, it's not the comics that I make and it's not the comics I read when I was a kid. Like when I hit 13, I was done with Marvel and DC and I was reading Heavy Metal Magazine. I was reading Monero and Serpieri and all that stuff all through my teens. Chaos. Yeah. Chaos Comics, Polito, who is rocking. He's a god. Right. That he's guy a, is... He, Polito rocks. Actually, what's really funny is I had some of my best portfolio reviews with Polito when I was coming up and I was like 19, 20. He, yes. he was the only one I marked out for at Comic-Con in Denver. Everyone else was like, hey, cool, nice to meet you. It was, it was exciting to meet them. But Polito, uh-uh. I was like, I, I need you to How sign dope this. was Evil Ernie and like Lady Death? Just the dopest. I was so into that like when it was coming out. Like, I bought all that stuff. And um, uh, Tony Moore at the time, he had that book, uh, Battle Pope. Battle, I remember I Battle Pope. It was before Walking Dead. He did Battle Pope, and that mm -hmm. book was freaking awesome oh, and i was into that all that stuff you know chaos comics was super super dope um yeah so that's what i'm getting back to i'm getting back to those comics and carrie nord and i are starting a company called lethal comics and the the tagline is it's a new wave of old school and um we're gonna make the comics we want to make without having to you know appease a a publisher or say and I'm just sorry sick of or, trying to like yeah I'm trying to I'm sick of trying to make something for a publisher that they think is attractive enough to sell I think it's destroying creativity um because there's so much cool stuff that could be made and Kickstarter is really where it's at when it comes to like unabridged creativity no holding back um, you know what it reminds me of? It, it reminds me of the freedom of hanging out with your best pals in a tattoo shop. Um, like, it's just dope conversations, the right people, everyone's in the right frame of mind, respectful. You're listening to whether it, you're listening to hardcore music, whether it's hardcore rap, or hardcore metal. Um, you're, these guys are making good money on pure, unadulterated, whatever the fuck I want to do art. And yep. it's, it's the best thing in the world to me, man. And I'm glad that you're doing this. And, uh, I, that, that's what this is. This is like, I'm going to do what the fuck I want art. And I mean, I've wanted to do this for four or five years. Like I became a wrestler to make this. And then COVID actually, what happened was like, uh, I don't, I haven't gotten a good, a real meaty comic gig in two years. Like I got a really great one with James Tinian recently mm -hmm. in his horror anthology, which was like, uh, you know, eight, 10 pages. 
but I haven't gotten like a series or like one shot or anything. And I feel like my, my art was at its peak. Like I was peaking as far as like that's scary my art and i was like how am i not getting gigs it's crazy i was i was sending samples every single month to marvel and dc i know all the editors and just you know ghosting crickets um and my, you know uh i was scheduled to do warren ellis's next book at image and he kind of like hummed and hawed during the time when i needed to get a gig right and the musical chair thing happened and he quit right before christmas i thought he got canceled and, right before and my christmas. family and i were broke Ouch. And I was like, dude, like I've been waiting for you to write this thing. Like we're scheduled to do it and it didn't happen. So, you know, I was totally broke without a gig. No one's hiring in December. Right. Right. So what happened was I, I got this mega high profile gig in video games, uh, animated and it paid for, it was three months of like the hardest work I've ever done. It was like, um, but it paid my yearly salary in like three months almost. That's awesome. Yeah, so it was like it was eighteen hours, twenty hours a day for for three months straight, every single day. My wife came in and she was painting because she worked in video games. My mom had to come in and look after our kid. Um, but when it was over, I was burnt out. But we had money for the year, and then I sold Southern Cross to NBC Universal uh, to make an anime, and we got paid from that. So it was like my wife is, you know, I'm and I'm sending out sample, 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 just giving her. And my wife is like, and I'm really disappointed, getting really depressed. I can't wrestle, mm-hmm. right? Wrestling, sh- like everything, we weren't allowed to leave our houses. Wrestling's gone. We live for that and- shit. What? I said we live for that shit, man. That was the yeah. worst part yeah, of so it. Yeah, so it was like I was getting really depressed. And yeah. um, and then my wife is just like, you know, it, it's now. Like, we have the money. You have to make Mother Trucker now. now. <laughs> so she started, like, pushing me, and I started drawing it. And... Um, I had written it when we lived in Italy in 2019. I wrote the script and I, I went over it again uh, with my friends here. And it was just, it was, it was time. And I started drawing my ass off on it and sending stuff around uh, to my pals to get like, you know, notes on scripts and, and art. And um, it, it was just like all coming, like the universe was just like, you're supposed to do this. And then wrestling started in June and I went to my first, uh, wrestling class again and right at that class speedball came up and he's like you want to do privates and i was like hell yeah i want to do privates like private with mike bailey every single week for like hours like oh my god one on so one my training. wrestling game has gone like like Exploded. when animal comes back animal can wrestle i mean i'm i'm training with like uh channing decker and dan Housen and like Keep going. it's Dude, it's nuts. Uh, like, I don't know if you know a lot of the other indie guys up here. Um, but yeah, a lot a lot of the dudes were, were just in class together on Wednesdays. It's a private class and we're jamming. And like, You're gonna have he's, to... teaching me, he's teaching me Japanese wrestling. So it's no longer about five moves of doom. It's, no, it's about strong style. You know, <laughs> yeah, strong, strong style, but mixed with like hard sequences. Right. So, you know, my comeback and fire, my finish. You know, each one of those things, I understand the philosophy and science behind it. And, like, I have a, a, a sequence, and he, we've done it maybe, you know, once to three times every week since gym. I do the same thing, and it's just getting, like, so nice and perfect and smooth and dope-looking. And now when I come into a match, I'm just like, okay, Shine, this is what I do. Bop, 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 bop. That's awesome, man. Uh, I'm glad that— You know, you- like, if I'm going to do my comeback and fire— 
right? You choke me to the ropes, ref break, I grab your arm, bite, kick, throw me to the ropes, you go for a whip, I weave, angle slam, separation, up, we go for line, we both lock arms, I get your hand, strike, judo throw, up, I never let go of your hand, it's like the Hulk holding Loki, I give you a monkey flip, up, I do the escalera, up the top rope, down, with the, yeah, and Dude, then you're making me up, happy, you man. Line, you're making me happy. ET, boom, I go for my finisher. Oh, you get over on me, and we're into our first fall scene. Like, that's, you know, it's like I have all these sequences. Like, I think there's maybe six, seven sequences memorized cold. So when I come into a match, it's just that. You can help it out. You can, you yeah, can shine, before, and you like, can shine uh, something up. Maybe I'll do this until we do this. You're right? So, yeah. and what's funny is my the titles of Mother Trucker are all based on the the wrestling match. So the first comic is called the shine. The second one is the cutoff. The third one is the heat. You know, the one after that is the, is the comeback and the fault. They're all named after like the mechanics of a wrestling match. Yeah. Man, I, I dig that because the, the last time I read a, a comic book that was that knew kind of what they were talking about wrestling was ringside. And that one came out. So, uh, it was decent. I, I wasn't a big fan of the art. The writing was phenomenal, but like it, it, it came out so sporadically and, like, I'd, I'd have to, like, every time I'd read it, I'd get a new one. I had to go back four issues to remember what the hell was going on. And uh, it sounds like you've got, like, you've got everything in the can from Mother Trucker and ready to rock and roll. Um, yeah, six, six, six issues are written of it. I have the outline and some of the issues written for the 6 to 12. Mm-hmm. And what's funny is I wrote 6 to 12 first because it was about, the whole comic was meant to be about Big Rick and his daughter. And then, and that, that was the whole comic. And then I came in Italy. I think I was looking at so much like Italian comics, you know, <laughs> like a lot of Monera and Druna and Cerveri and Those all that stuff. I was like, I want to make it about, I want to, and, and I became really obsessed with like Charlotte Flair, right? Like Charlotte, Charlotte's match in like WrestleMania was my favorite match by far. Yeah. Freaking Charlotte yeah. is the best. Like, God, I love Charlotte. She's freaking rad. The the women's wrestling has really stepped their game up. I'm really digging what they're doing in AEW. Um, they're yeah. they're bringing in well, shit. My favorite indie wrestler here was Abaddon, and then now she's now she's elite, man. Like, and, and she's scary as shit, man. Like, she's like, you remember how the Undertaker used to scare us? Now this one is like legit terrifying, and it, it it everything's making me happy, dude. But let's let's talk more about Mother Trucker before we wrap up, man. Um, yeah, man. Where what are you hoping that you obviously you want to you want to get Mother Trucker over and you this is your own baby you don't have to worry about anyone telling you what to do and you're gonna do it your way but are you hoping that you're gonna inspire other people and get like a more of a Kickstarter trend going on for people to start doing their own comics or is this something that you you eventually are gonna be like hey I wasn't trying to be a a uh, an icon or anything like that I was I just did what I got to do like. It, what do you want to do for the comic industry after everything you've told me that it's, it's not really going down, but there's some struggles. Yeah. I I want people to do what they want to do. Right. Like stop, stop squashing our voices, you know, stop, stop making us try to make something that we think people will buy. Mm -hmm. You know, I, my goal whenever I make a comic book is to try and make something that I will buy. And uh, I think Southern Cross was the first thing that I made that I thought I would buy myself. I've got every issue, and, brother. But, you know, you're always trying to, like, like make someone happy, you know? And 
in a way that's unhealthy. Yeah, because you know you, what I mean. You forget instead it, of you forget instead about of yourself. a way of being you. Right. You know what I mean. You, and uh, you I wasn't getting. I think my entire seventeen-year career, I really wasn't getting to be myself. Um, that was a scary thing before the Kickstarter launch. I was like, "Oh no, people are going to see how crazy I am." Yeah. <laughs> You're going to get canceled, baby. <laughs> yeah, it's right. like mankind just started making comics. <laughs> so uh, this comic runs until the thirtieth. Oh no, 30 yeah, days. the campaign runs until the thirtieth, and then we wait. Like uh, I think it's like anywhere from. 10 to 20 days for the, the money to kind of come in. 30th and of once November, the, right? Once the, yeah, there's like time for like Visa and all that stuff. And then uh, I send it to the printer. And um, as soon as it comes back from the printer, we're working with a company called Chit Chat in Montreal. So they do all like I, I box everything up here. I've got a giant studio. Like, like this is it. like, check out. This is the studio. Oh, it used dream. to be. Uh, a nightclub that was run by the Hells Angels. Oh, you can't see it, but there's like a bar back there and uh, some super gothic wow. that are really sweet. Um, but yeah, we, we got this place uh, for like a steal and it's um, myself and Carl Kershaw. Uh, Terry Nord's coming back. Sweeney Boo's here. Um, Wes Craig was here for a bit who does Deadly Class. And um, uh, in the other side is a video game studio called Cut to Bits. And they, uh, they're like an upstart video game company. It was all my pals from Ubisoft. That basically, my connections at Ubisoft all quit and started their own video game company and invited me to share the studio. And it's, uh, it's like my man cave. Oh, that's, that's wonderful, man. That's wonderful. So how do we find the Kickstarter? Just what do we, what do we look for in Kickstarter.com? Well, if you look at – yeah, if you go on Kickstarter.com, all you need to do is go to Mother Trucker. We're like – we're on the front page for the for a bit. We're in taking off. We're in fresh favorites. We're like, we're all over it right now because it, it blew up so fast, so quick. And there's a so, lot of um, there's a lot of incentives for that. You can just buy the single issues. You can buy trade paperback. Um, or, or well, no we don't have a trade yet, but what you can buy is you can buy the single issue. You can buy uh, alternate covers by Carl Kershaw, who did the sick like Capcom style uh, cover. Uh, Kerry Nord gave me one with some boobs out. Um, it's really funny of uh, Mother Trucker giving everyone the finger with her top off. Um, there's a, a like a complete cover set. There's original artwork I do. There's uh, not safe for work artwork that I do in packs. There's like mystery boxes. Um, there's one where you can be in the comic. There's one where I do you a painting. Um, and then there's one that is like $10,000 where I will show up to your house with everything we offer, shoot promos and have a match with you. <laughs> For 10 grand? No one's getting that. No one's getting it. It's 10 grand. No one's getting it. But the reason we did it is we're going to shoot a bunch of promos this week and throughout the, the thing where it's like, we're just going to keep making fun of that. Like, dude, you, you, I'm going I'm to show up. <laughs> you got to, you got to find like some dopey looking guy. That's a friend of yours. And you just show up at his house and just, you wanted it. We're here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like pretend someone spent 10,000 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just come over and like, and like power bomb him in his kitchen table. Like, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Man, Andy, yeah, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming back on the show to talk about the comic. We're going to run this every episode until the Kickstarter is over at the end of November. Cool, um, brother. That's we, awesome. We appreciate everything you do. And if you uh, see Warren Ellis again, tell him why the hell he hasn't even finished fucking Fell. Because, <laughs> well, like, he didn't even get started on my thing that I was supposed to do for him, so I don't know what, yeah. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, every time, uh, I, bump into, every time I bump into uh, Ben uh, at Comic 
comic cons i'm like when is 10 coming out oh it's coming out it don't worry and i'm like you're just fucking with me man <laughs> yeah man well hey man it's been a pleasure and thanks again i'm gonna release this tomorrow and uh cool, don't man. worry i'm gonna cut out everything from the beginning and because uh, <laughs> uh, we were what we were talking about wasn't recorded but I, I started it like right when i was like thanks i was feeling crappy we were we were shooting and I was, was bringing you up. It was a straight shoot, and no yeah, one's going to hear it. Was, it was like I was putting some wind beneath your wings. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you were, man. I appreciate you, man. <laughs> Much love, brother. Thanks, man. Thank you, dude. Peace. Guys, welcome to Minefields. We've got a very special guest, a Canadian guest. Why don't you introduce yourself, brother? Hello, my name is Speedball Mike Bailey. I am a, an independent professional wrestler. I've wrestled all over the world, and I've been doing it for many years. Jesus, a decade and a half. Do you prefer pro wrestler? I mean, yeah. Yeah, I think it makes a, a distinction. Pro, sorry, pro wrestler as opposed to what? Well, I always think about it in terms of like when people talk about like um, whether or not it's real or not, uh, or if people are talking about sports entertainment as opposed to pro wrestling. I prefer pro wrestling. Yeah, so I prefer pro wrestling, although I do think it's a misnomer. Like, it comes from that idea that at some point in your career you were an amateur wrestler and then you've turned pro, which has nothing to do with professional wrestler. Like, when you think of a pro boxer, right, that's someone who does boxing professionally, but pro wrestling as a whole is something completely different than a professional version of amateur wrestling. I agree, man, and it's one of my favorite things in the whole world, man. And tell you the truth, man, I... I really prefer indie wrestling. I like indie wrestling too because I think you were right about what you said about like sports entertainment, mm-hmm. um, where that is a very specific thing. Just as I think indie wrestling versus TV wrestling is very different, right? When you see sports entertainment, usually it's part of like an episodic TV show where an independent wrestler performs like the, the same art form but in a very different way. I just wish we had a better name for it. No, I, I feel you on that one. Uh, the reason why I prefer it is because I feel like there's a lot more heart in, in indie wrestling. Like, there's like the transition from Bullet Club to AEW. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, it's still kick ass, but I, there was just <laughs> something different about the, 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 the rabid, hungry quality they had as opposed to, okay, now we made it and we can relax. Does that make sense? And so it does, and it, it makes perfect sense. Um, and you're right that I think we need to appreciate how different it is. Like it's okay to prefer one over the other. And that's why I think it's especially a shame when people say, which I've heard a lot, like when people talk, Oh, you're a pro wrestler. And then they go, ah, I've seen Hulk Hogan 30 years ago. I don't like it. And like, <laughs> that's not what I do at all. Agreed. Uh, Andy, Bel- Andy Belanger recommended you to me. And this is one of my favorite things about my podcast is I've got, Obviously, there's people I'd love to have that I, you know, have got on a list. But it's been a lot better when the last guy I talked to puts his his friends over. There's a lot more heart in it. Also, you know how hard it is for, or just how difficult it is when you actually get put over by another wrestler. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah. And I'm of course talking about Bob the Animal Anger. How long have we known? Yes. Him? So I've known him for about five years. Um, he started training with the IWS, which I, I have been a part of for longer than that, though I was not associated with the school up until 
I think about a year ago when I really became fully, fully immersed as a teacher there. But yeah, no, Andy is one of the most interesting people I have ever met in my life. He is like, I don't know what he considers his spirit animal, but I would say it's a honey badger. There is, there is absolutely nothing that can stop Andy once he gets going and it's fantastic to watch. What's your spirit animal? I wouldn't know. Um, I think something like an ostrich, maybe. <laughs> Speedball. I was watching some of the, uh, what I could could find on YouTube, man, and I was very impressed. I knew Andy wouldn't recommend someone that Thank sucked. You. And you said you've been doing this for about 10 years, man. Like, uh, Tell us how it um, all began. More than that. Probably about um, – well, so <laughs> I've been a, a quote-unquote pro wrestler for about 15 years. But as long as I can remember, I have been wrestling. Like I was a child, probably like six or seven, when I saw Kane trying to set the brood on fire. I don't know, just this guy in a red mask trying to set a bunch of vampires on fire. I saw that on TV and I was like, I'm all in. And like the next day, me and my brother took our mattresses off our beds and just started suplexing each other on there. And I like have not stopped for a second. That's awesome, man. And wow, you've been all all over the world. I mean, let, let's let's talk more about you, you as yourself as a person, man, because that's who I really want to get to know. Because right now, from what I understand, you you guys are completely on lockdown. Yes, you guys can't even do because here in Colorado, we're actually able to do indie shows. Uh, there's a lot of different rules. We're doing it outside. I, uh, one time, we had 250 people at, at a Colorado Springs wrestling show, but um, you guys haven't been able to do jack shit. No, we've been mostly locked down. The government refuses to call it a lockdown. We, when this first started, we were like full on lockdown, but now it works by zones and it's a complicated system and some things are open and some things are closed. But yeah, have mostly locked down. There's no wrestling happening. How have you been coping? You know, uh, it's been rough. <laughs> it's been very rough. Like it's been disappointing um, my career was going very, very well. And I had said this year was very important to me. Um, and it started off really well, but then kind of, you know, stopped. Um, I haven't been able to wrestle. I was able to teach at the IDBS school for a while. And that was very, very satisfying. That was very fulfilling. Um, I was able to go to the gym for a few months and that was very nice. Um, but mostly it's been on, on standstill and it's been like incredibly frustrating. I try to do whatever I can. I've been good with working out at home. And when the physical school has been closed, we've been doing, uh, match watches through zoom online. And it's just finding every little way to just keep being productive. And it's proven difficult, but I'm, you know, I, I feel like I know, uh, I'm not the only one going through this. There's a lot of people that are way worse off than me. People losing businesses and having struggling to pay their rent, right. which I'm lucky enough to not be in that situation. But it is very rough. Um, so my girlfriend is also a wrestler. Her name is Veda Scott, and she is American. So I haven't been able to see her in going on nine months, oh, which is easily one of the worst parts of this. I'm sorry but, to hear yeah. that, man. You're, so the, the border is still locked then? The border is still locked. Fuck. Now, you're, you're training dudes and gals. 
Yes. I imagine that during this, you've had to become a therapist as well. <laughs> um, sort of, yes. Uh, I think the, the art itself is therapy enough and just physical exercise. And I mean, people come and wrestle and just let go of all of this and be do something that's difficult enough that it requires your full attention. And then you can't even think about what's going on in the world because what you're doing is difficult enough. I think that's the most important. I'm glad that I get to do it through wrestling, but really anything else works for that. It's, it's funny. When everything went down, I realized who my real favorite character was in wrestling shows, and that's the crowd. And there's, there's that missing element. The other thing is is that you're right. It, it, you, you have to focus in on a certain – on certain aspects of it because it's something that absolutely requires all your attention. But the other thing that I didn't realize was how comfortable I was in this perfect world of pro wrestling. And I fit in, I've never fit in better than any time in my life than with all my wrestling buddies. And they let me do my thing. I, I help them out with everything I can, help them design t-shirts, uh, all that good stuff. And then I'll, I didn't realize that how much it meant to me until it was gone. Yeah, I mean... Uh, having a sense of community is super important and like of an, one of the many horrible aspe aspects of what's been going on is that that's been taken away from so many people. How have you been, how have you been helping your, uh, your students cope? I mean like anything in particular, cause I'm able to help a lot of people cause I went through a lot of shit when I was a kid and I know a lot of different, uh, tactics to help focus the mind and not go down a really bad path. Anything in particular that you've uh, recommended to your students that helps? Just staying engaged, just staying connected. You know, like even if we can't be there and we can't do classes regularly, at least they know that they'll always have something to fall back on. And again, it's that sense of community that's the most important to me. So trying to create that, I think, has been helpful. How did, how did you start coping with when they started leaning on you more often because they, they needed a, their leader to help them out or just to vent to? Is there, did it, does it weigh heavy on you? No, it doesn't. I mean, I'm happy to do it, and I feel like, thank God there hasn't been a situation where we really had to, you know, um, no one's been in a crisis, but, you know, uh, I think the students know, and it's important that me and the other the other teacher right now, Shane Hawk, are involved and there if they need us. That's awesome, man. Yeah, there's. I've had a lot of people reach out to me in our community here. I reach out to a lot of people too, and it. it man, do I I fucking miss everybody, man, <laughs> and and not getting to hug people. I mean, like it, we're we're in the wrestling business, man. I mean, like my my buddy Johnny, like not getting to hug him would break my heart, man, and and it. He's, you know, when there's just certain people, you know, that just make everything better. Yeah, I completely understand that. Um, so my schedule for the last probably four, three, four years approximately, when I started going to Japan and really traveling a lot, I've been doing like a few months in Canada, then a few months in Europe, then a few months in Japan, and just alternating like that and rotating. And you know, I've been, I've been. <laughs> the more the, the 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 longer I spend without seeing them, the more I just start sending little messages to people that I. There's a lot of people in wrestling that you come across and you really appreciate them, and you know usually I only see them on shows every few months, but I don't like. 
hang out with them, but I, I miss these people, people that I wouldn't expect that I miss, so I'm finding myself just sending a little, you know, some more quick little messages here and there just to reconnect with people and, you know, let them know that I appreciate them because I think that's important. Absolutely, man, and I'm glad that they're keeping up with you too. Uh, I really want to talk about Japan. Um, yeah. Tell us where you wrestled there. Are you going to Dragon's Gate or? No. So uh, I've been with DDT. Uh, they're the ones who brought me in, and they're the ones whom I've been I've been with for the longest time. I've done other little shows through DDT, but for Noah and formerly K Dojo, which is now Two AW. But yeah, no, I'm with I'm fully with DDT over there. How do those guys operate? Do they all have the same sort of? Uh... Uh, aesthetic and how they like with new japan pro they've got the young lion program you got to go through and then you got to sit in the back of the bus and carry everyone's shit and uh cook food clean the dojo is it the same thing with ddt um so it goes by severity so i think i don't know how familiar you were with ddt pretty Okay, good. Well, so then as you know, they do a lot of comedy and a lot of wackier wilder professional wrestling right. and their whole idea was to sort of like rebel against that system of wrestling that took itself too seriously or tried too hard or was just mean and hateful and they've kind of like done the opposite of that so it very varies like from what i've seen it varies a lot by promotion and there's like different styles and different cultures but ddt is very relaxed and i mean it's uh <laughs> are you familiar with dancho Kudino? Uh, no. Remind me. Uh, he's the man who shoves people's head inside his trunks and then gives them a power driver. Yes. Uh, yes, absolutely. Right. Okay, <laughs> good. So it's very hard to take yourself too seriously when that, you know that's going to happen to you sooner or later. No. So that's kind of reflected in the, the, the style and the atmosphere at DDT. How did, they get, how did you get on their radar? I did a show... Uh, in New York, and there was a uh, Japanese expat who now lives in New York who's in contact with a lot of Japanese promotions, and she saw a match I had with the great Chris Hero, and she nice. thought my style would fit well in DDT, and so she made the recommendation, and the rest is history. How did it feel first getting to Japan? Because the first time I went to Japan, for like the first five hours, all I could think of was like, oh my god, I'm in Japan, this is fucking awesome. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, like, I, when I started, like, I was only watching the wrestling on TV for the longest time, then I sort of got bored of that, and then I started looking online, and I came across, like, indie wrestling and Japanese wrestling, and I always wanted to wrestle in Japan, as, you know, a lot of wrestlers do, it's really a dream, and it was completely overwhelming for the first, like, few days to just... Having you know, to get, having uh, to get used to the just, food. Just, sorry? Because you, you're having to get used to the food or what you should and should not eat or what the hell that is or not speaking the language. I, you know, so I had people take care of me that were there, other foreigners that were, that had come to DDT and had sort of gotten used to the same thing there to help me along. But yeah, it was still very, very overwhelming. It felt very satisfying. I was very nervous about that first match. And once that was done and that went well, I was able to relax and then start enjoying it. Uh, is it, is you're, you've, 
you're telling me, and I and I see it as well, because there's a lot of differences between Japanese style, whether uh, how the the back of house business is being run, or even just uh, how they actually wrestle strong style versus this style. Is there any specific ways to that to get over in Japan that wouldn't work here in the states? Um, so it's not that not that this wouldn't work here, but Japan, I think, as a culture, and it's tremendously reflected in the pro wrestling, is how hard you try is so important, and like always giving it your best and being, you know. Sh- showing everyone that you're the hardest worker in the room and being the most attentive where I feel like in America, there's sort of like, we've made it cool to be the talented guy that doesn't care. Yeah. Right. In Japan, it's completely the opposite of that. You will be rewarded. Even if you're not as talented as everyone else, but you work your ass off, they're going to really, really like, that's very highly regarded. That's, that's awesome. That makes me happy because there's some promotions I've seen where, they get run really sloppily by one guy that likes these guys, and these are his pals, and he's the, these guys are the only ones that are going to get put over, as opposed to a lot of the places here in Colorado. it's If you're not training, you're not getting booked. If you're booked and you decide to uh, you know, skimp on your training, your, your match is canceled. They'll find someone else because it's all about, it's all about putting, the, putting the time in, in, the, in the scored circle and making sure – that you're going to be able to take care of whoever's in there with you because the safety aspect thing is what we're really focusing on as well. And it sounds like that's what's happening in Japan. Right. That makes a lot of sense. But the, so the whole the system is very different than Japan. Um, so, for example, uh, there's a lot of Japanese wrestlers you will talk to and whichever promotion they work for, it doesn't matter, even if it's one of the smallest promotions, okay. they'll all tell you the same thing, right? Uh, if you ask any American wrestler what he wants to, to do, um, his his goal will always be, I want to make it to New Japan or Ring of Honor or Impact or AEW or NXT or WWE, whatever. But in Japan, their goal is to get themselves, become more popular themselves so that they can help the, whatever promotion it is they work for. So there's very much that sense of belonging to your promotion because it is not like the, the system in Japan is not that you will pay, pay for your pay for a school to go attend classes. You're going to audition and then be selected and basically live and work for and be fed by that promotion. And in a lot of cases, you're going to be with them for the rest of your life. So that is like, again, very much reflected in how people treat the promotion that they work for as a family instead of just a place they happen to be working on this weekend. How did they respond to you when you first got there? They responded very well. Again, um, DDT was very, very kind to foreigners. Um, that's Again, kindness is really part of the DDT culture, and every promotion has different styles. Some are strong, some are intense. DDT is trying to make people happy. Um I, one of the, the things that, that shocked me the most and that I really, really appreciated when I got to Japan was that everyone on the roster tried to watch my first match if they could, you're on the TV. And then by the time it was my second match, everyone else already knew all my moves. They had watched it. They had, they had watched my match. They had learned them and they had already thought of ideas of things they could do if they were to wrestle me. I couldn't think of a better way to be welcomed. Right? But that, again, that really comes from a place that when you 
it's not just you're on a show with someone on a weekend and then you might never see them again or you might be on another show with them in two months. It's the same. Most Japanese promotions are the same 20 or 30 people that'll work together two or three times every weekend. Right. So you benefit a lot from learning what they do and learning to know them because, again, you're a lot closer to family than just people that kind of ran into each other. What a great way to think about it, and you're so right about that. Because every now and then, I, I like because I watch. I, I watch. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I watch New Japan Pro is my favorite, and I'm not saying that because it, it's to sound all hardcore or anything like that. There's just something about it. But I do got to say, uh, there's only so much you can watch in New Japan Pro because it's the same goddamn matches a lot of the time. Yes. And not that that's a bad thing, but at the same time, though, it's just not an aesthetic that I enjoy constantly to to see that over and over and over. But they're traveling so much, and it's it's just so different. And I'm, I'm glad to hear that they welcomed you like that, because I've heard horror stories where the, they wanted to bury the gaijin right off the bat. You know? <laughs> no, I, yep. So I've heard those stories, too. I did not get that at all. Kick ass. I, I think, however... <laughs> People will reflect how you act, right? If if you're worried about people burying you and trying to protect your spot and all that, Mm -hmm. then that might end up, you know, getting you buried in the the long run. I, to a fault, very often I see the best in everyone and I give chances and I, I just, I expect the best in people and I think I get that a lot, I get it back because of it. Yeah, but also you get disappointed a lot too. That is true. Yeah, I, I, I'm very similar the same way too. Um, but let's talk more about you. You, you earlier you mentioned that you don't really have a character. Help me, help, help me understand that because from when you tell me something like that, I think how I never thought of Stone Cold as a character because Stone Cold was basically uh, Stephen Williams dialing himself up to eleven. Is that yeah? What, is that what you're doing? Um, you know. I don't even think it's that complicated. I don't even have to dial anything up. Um, I mean, I, I changed my name. My wrestling name is an English version of my French name, which is Emile Bayergeon. I don't mind saying that. Um, you can find me on Facebook now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm a black belt in Taekwondo, fourth degree. I, I kick people really hard, and that's what I do in the ring. Like uh, People will ask... Are you a good guy or a bad guy? And it's, do you like the person I'm kicking? Yes. Then I guess I'm a good guy. Do you dislike the person I'm kicking? No. Well, then I'm a bad guy. Like, it's not it's not much more complicated than that. This is also a big part of the difference between independent wrestling and sports entertainment or pro wrestling that is presented in an episodic format on television Right. is that Whatever I choose to present as a character to an audience on any given night is just so that I can have the best match that night. Especially since I've been traveling so much, my career, most of the time, I'm going to work for one promotion, and then maybe I'll be back a month later, or six months later, or seven months later. So really, my goal when I wrestle is just that night make the people in the audience have the best experience possible. Well, and you, I don't have to – I'm lucky enough to not have to look so far beyond that. Well, you have to, especially if you're traveling from place to place. These people don't know you from Adam. you got to get over instantly. You don't have the time to rely on the 10 promos you cut on someone building up to the match. you got to go in there and make them like you immediately. Yes, um, and I think all pro wrestling should be 
all pro wrestling, sorry, that isn't presented in an episodic format on television should be presented this way. I think the live crowd is always a priority, and it should always be put, you know, put ahead of everything else. There's nothing. There's nothing quite like it. I remember the the very first. Because I've, I've been to Raw, I've been to SmackDown, I've been to WrestleMania. Okay, that's all fun and good. But the best parts about WrestleMania weekend was going to uh, Supercard of Honor. There was more heart. Like, you know, I mean, yeah, I met Kenny Omega, but even then, uh, there's it, there was that, that indie aspect, that, that grittiness to it, that being as polished as you can. Who are some of the uh, better guys you've kicked very, very hard? Um, well, you just mentioned Kenny Omega. That's awesome. Yeah, um, no, honestly, I I have wrestled so many people. Um, so uh, I've wrestled. Who did I wrestle the most? Let's see. Uh, Evil Uno, which you may know from AW. Yes, I've had a lot of matches with NXT's uh, Oni Lorcan. I've had a lot and a very fun series of matches with him before he went to NXT. Um, I've wrestled Will Ospreay a bunch of times. Beautiful. I had a match with Drew McIntyre. Um, I had a match with Matt Riddle. You can find on YouTube. I've had I have a match with Keith Lee that you can find on YouTube. Wonderful. Um, I've I've wrestled Bobby Lashley in Toronto. I'm trying to name people would be familiar with and might be listening to your podcast. Well, what about um, I've wrestled? I, I'm yeah, sorry. To, that... I'm sorry to cut you off because we can you know we can Google you and and find everything that we can. But what yep. about something a little bit more like intricate? Like who were, who? Tell me about a, a time when, it when you built a match with someone and, it not that it was difficult. Like a really good time when you built a match with someone and just magic happened. Like if there's anything special to it. Hmm. Uh, see, that's a that's a hard story to come up with. Um, my tag team partner in Japan. His name is Mao, and together we're the Moonlight Express. We had been teaming together for about two years at this point, and as part of a DDT tournament, we ended up having a singles match together. And we, our style is basically just his style, very specifically, is just to be as crazy as possible. Mm -hmm. Of course, I'm on board with that. So before the show, normally when you're going to put a match together, that's going to come like at the venue, maybe two hours before your match, and you're going to take some time to did it to, to to put it together. There with him, we went to the school. We took about two days to just try to put together the craziest stunts we could possibly pull off, and that was to this day one of the most fun matches I've ever had in my life. Is it when you have that much time to plan a match versus when you don't have that sort of time? What do you prefer? Do you prefer working on the fly? No, no, I, so I don't like working on the fly too much. Um, I don't think it's necessary. I think the, when, I think when you're working on the fly, the ceiling is lower. Like, of course, there's, you can't plan everything, but of course, things that are planned, you're going to be allowed to do more complicated stuff and tell a more complex structure than if you're just kind of go out there and work. So I think there's a time and a place for working on the fly, but generally I try to avoid it as much as possible. Understood. Now I only got a little bit of time left, brother. Is there anyone that you want to put over? Uh, let's see here. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of, so Canada is a very rough place to be for pro wrestling, especially now that everything's locked down, but even in general, because the, 
next the next logical step if you're getting if you're getting to become a popular Canadian wrestler is to go and wrestle in the U.S. However, that is not always possible because there's uh, visa problems and restrictions and a lot of things that I'm can sure come it's... up making leaving Canada a lot harder. Um, so I just want to put some over some Canadian guys here, please. Um, they're Tabarnak de Team uh, TDT, who is the best tag team in Canada. They are fantastic. Again, it's a tragedy they're not on TV. But if you can go look their stuff up on YouTube and find them, that'd be fantastic. Um, Black Dynamite, Jeremy Prophet is another great Canadian guy that a lot of people may not have heard of. Matt Angel is another guy that's sort of taking over the Quebec wrestling scene and doing great right now. Uh, Holden Albright is another guy that I can name that's very good. Um, yeah. What about the school? How do we find the school that you teach at? Yeah, um, it's the IWS Hardcore, IWS Training Center, I think it is, on Facebook. Um, so first, find the IWS, which is a promotion in Montreal. Uh, they have a lot of content on YouTube, and their shows are on RDS and the Fight Network, and you can see a lot of their stuff on there. Yep. And then there's the IWS Training Center that's associated with that. Well, how do we find you? Uh, since you already gave us your real name, if we can pronounce it, and because I I can't I can't I can't even do a French accent, man. No, that's okay. Uh, your best bet is to find me on at Speedball Bailey on Twitter and Instagram, and then uh, the best thing you can do is find my matches on YouTube. Just type in Speedball Mike Bailey. You'll see lots of fun ones, a couple of which I've mentioned on here. And then please, if you enjoy it, share them with your friend. Go to a local wrestling show. Uh, tweet that you enjoyed my matches and share them and just spread the love that way well we're definitely going to spread as uh, spread as much love as possible man it's been an honor to have you on the show um it was great researching you actually that was fucking awesome um but thank the, you the the other thing is we're going to spread as much love as possible so uh when I post this, I'm gonna there's gonna be, I'm gonna post a shit ton of links to find your matches and that sort of thing. That way, uh, they can hit you up on Twitter. You know, just remind you, hey, we we love you. We can't wait to see you in the squared circle again. And uh, I'm sorry that your government's doing that to you right now, man. That's okay. It's for the best, I believe. Well, I appreciate you having on the show, brother. I'll let you go to enjoy the rest of your day. I actually, I'm like secretly recording at work right now, so I gotta, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta Very go. illegal podcast. Oh, there, there's nothing better. Great. Well, I'll talk to you later, brother. And hey, uh, we're friends for good now. I'll talk to you later. Awesome. Thank you very much, my friend. Peace. Bye bye. Transmission is over.